welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour One. Hello, America. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number. You want to be on the program? You're more than welcome, but you got to talk about what I'm talking about. 877-973-7425. If you want to be on the program, as always, text Eric, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777. You have the links to the daily email, the podcast, the live stream, the social media. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, all that. If you just text Eric to 33777. We must begin with the biggest story of the day. It is the front page story across America, the debt ceiling. We're getting to it, except we're really not. This is There's a formula for telling this story. First of all, we used to not have a debt ceiling. Years ago in the 70s, I believe it was, they put it in place. No one ever could imagine the United States could get as much debt as it had. It's now so exceeded it. Uh, multiple times over, Barack Obama added as much debt to the United States as all previous presidents combined. Think about that. And then Donald Trump did as much as Obama. Joe Biden is on pace. We've got this exponential scale in the increase in debt in the country. And we're now spending more than our GDP, which is a, a not a good sign. It's actually a sign of bankruptcy. The United States Constitution requires the full faith and credit of the United States go towards its debts. The reason is historic. The French paid for our revolution because while you and I saw the revolution as our battle for independence, globally it was seen as part of a world war between the French Empire and the British Empire and the Spanish Empire to a degree. And the British lost that fight, but they actually won the war. There is a reason there are all of these little islands in uh, the Caribbean that have Charles III as their king. They may have lost us, but they gained territory historically over time uh, in their battles with the French and with the Spanish. We see something that was only a microcosm of a greater global struggle. And in that microcosm, to get the French on our sides, we had to agree to pay off our debts. And so we not only paid off, began paying off our debts as a nation under the Articles of Confederation, when we formed the Constitution, we put in a clause in the Constitution uh, that guaranteed the full faith and credit of the United States that under our charter document, we would pay all of our debts. The result has been For over 200 years, the world has known they can buy bonds of the United States and the American government will do whatever must be done to pay the money back. The problem is we're now well out from our skis in that we are going in debt greater than our economy. If all of our money tomorrow, all of the money that is produced in our economy were set aside tomorrow to pay the national debt, we could not pay the national debt. This is also a a fiscal problem from taxation purposes and one I've always gotten into, even going back to when I was on CNN would argue about this with James Carville and Paul Begallo on TV, that they're always, oh, Republicans just want to cut taxes. They want to cut taxes. They want to cut taxes. Like we know that cutting taxes does stimulate economic growth. We, We do know that historically. The problem for the Democrats is what are you going to cut? All the Democrats want to do is raise taxes. What do the Democrats want to do to cut? Because if you took all of the money of all of the millionaires and billionaires tomorrow 
and you used it, we still would not close the deficit, not just pay down the debt. The deficit is the annual gap between revenue and expenditure. And when you get to the end of a fiscal year, which for us is September 30th, if you still have a deficit of $100 million, well, now your national debt grows by $100 million. That's a simple way of looking at it, but that's what happens. We are spending way more than we have, so what are you going to cut? Well, Congress at some point imposed the debt ceiling to try to force cuts, and all they do is they just raise the debt ceiling. What has happened over time is the Democrats and Republicans just raised the debt ceiling. But there has never been a time since we've had a debt ceiling where when Democrats controlled the White House and Republicans controlled Congress, we did not force cuts to couple with the debt ceiling increase. And that's very notable, and you need to understand this. All of you need to understand this is a fact. It is a true fact. I'm not making this up. Every single time a Democrat has had the White House and Republicans have had the Congress and we've had to raise the debt ceiling, the Republicans have coupled the increase with cuts in spending. So now we have arrived at the debt ceiling increase. One the Democrats before the election said would be off in the distance. The moment the election was over, said, oh, well, we got to raise the debt. We, we got to raise the debt ceiling. And there is a song and dance that happens every time this happens. Every single time it happens, it's always the Republicans who are going to be to blame. Always. Oh, it's those those crazy Republicans. It, it's them. They can't just raise the debt. We're going to default. It's going to wreck us. Our credit rating's going to suck. Remember, they lowered it when Obama was president. They're going to blame the GOP. All the Republicans want, and they only care about it when a Democrat is in the White House, is cuts. If we're going to raise the debt, we got to cut some spending. They should care about it all the time, but they only do it when the Democrats are in charge. But we got to cut spending, y'all. So let me read you. This is the, out of the gate, the big story this morning at Axios. The deadlock is expected to last into the summer. Among the challenges, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy has a tenuous hold on a GOP caucus dominated by Republicans who reject the normal mechanics of governing. And... The Biden administration is unwilling to negotiate substantive concessions in response to what it sees as threats that may wreak havoc in global markets. Is unwilling to negotiate substantive concessions. The Davos elite, you see, they want us just to raise the debt ceiling. Now, I want to go back to the first because actually the problem is the second one. The Biden administration is unwilling to negotiate. The media wants you to focus, whether it's CNN, The New York Times, Bloomberg, you name it, they all want you to focus on Kevin McCarthy. This is their language in, in Axios, has a tenuous hold on a GOP caucus dominated by Republicans who reject the normal mechanics of governing. What do they mean by that? What do they mean by the normal mechanics for governing? There is a piece of music. 
you are undoubtedly familiar with, if, particularly if you grew up in the 80s or 90s, you at some point experienced this. Steps to get to this Capitol building here in Washington. Well, I wonder who that sad little scrap of paper is. I'm just a bill. Yes, I'm only a bill. And I'm sitting here on Capitol Hill. Well, it's a long, long journey to the capital city. It's a long, long wait while I'm sitting in committee. But I know I'll be a law someday, at least I hope and pray that I will. But today I am still just a bill. Y'all know the song, Schoolhouse Rock, come on with me. You, you, you know it, and you know the process outlined in Schoolhouse Rock. A legislator from a far-off place goes to Washington, D.C. And he takes out a piece of paper and he begins to write, I, Congressman Smith of Topeka, Kansas, do submit this legislation, Section 1, whereas the United States debt ceiling is reached and whereas we must raise the debt ceiling. Therefore, be it resolved by the Congress enacted by the President of the United States that, Section 1, we shall raise the debt ceiling to 50 bajillion trajillion dollars. Section 2, we shall cut 10% of every line item in the budget so that we reduce spending. Section 3, this will be enforceable through these mechanisms, A, B, C, and D. And it's sent to committee. And the committee... It would be the Appropriations Committee or the Ways and Means Committee, maybe the Budget Committee. They'd look at it. Maybe all three would look at it. And each of those committees would then mark it up and say, well, we want to add a Section 4. Well, we don't want to raise it to 50 bajillion, quadrillion, trillion. We just want to raise it to, to 40 trillion. And we want to revisit. And we don't want to make these cuts. We want to make those cuts. And we want to cut 6%, not 10%. And then those three committees would get together and they would hammer out a uniform bill and then it would go to the floor of the House and people would make amendments and it would pass. And then it would go to the United States Senate and the Senate would do the same thing. And if when the Senate was done, it looked exactly like what the House had done, it would go to the president. But if it was different, then the House and the Senate would get together in what's called a reconciliation committee. They would compromise, come up with a uniform piece of legislation that would go to the House and the Senate concurrently to be voted on. And if both agreed, it would be signed and sent over to the president who would sign it into law. According to Axios, McCarthy has a problem because Republicans reject the normal mechanisms for governing. Well, those are the normal mechanisms for governing. Except not right now. And this is the sleight of hand in the press and with the Democrats. See, we just went through this fight for Speaker of the House where it went on for days and days and days and days and days. And 20 Republicans refused to agree until they they got what they wanted. They got what they wanted. Well, you know what they wanted? They wanted the process I just outlined for you. Where a legislature drops it, it goes to committees, it's negotiated, goes to the floor, goes for a vote, goes to the Senate, negotiated, goes to a reconciliation committee, voted again. That's what they wanted. That should be the normal mechanics of governing. But that's not since the late uh, bit of the first decade of the 2000s. 
In 2005, the Republicans knew they had a fight on their hands. The Democrats were were ascendant. Nancy Pelosi was coming in. They were running rings around the Republicans. And so the Republicans stopped legislating the way the founders intended. What they did is they started taking a top-down leadership approach where the leadership would write the legislation, send it to the House, say you're not allowed to amend it. This is what you must vote on. And we've done that ever since. And perversely, when Axio says the normal mechanics of governing, that's what they're talking about. We just saw 20 Republicans fight for actual actual, real, meaningful legislative changes to go back to the old way of doing things, to not negotiate by crisis. So here come here come the Democrats and Joe Biden, and Joe Biden says, I'm going to provoke a crisis. I'm going to wait until we've reached the debt ceiling, and then I'm going to tell you, act, do something. Kevin McCarthy just agreed not to. Kevin McCarthy said, no, actually, we're going to have to go through the whole process. It's going to be slow, but the system's going to work. We're not going to be Fox News and MSNBC pundits. We're going to be legislators, and we're going to legislate. And so Biden is coming in, and he's saying, we're at the debt ceiling. we got to increase it. I'm not going to negotiate. I want a clean debt ceiling increase. And McCarthy has negotiated himself into a position where Congress must actually legislate. You should want that. You should note how all of the media is rushing to blame the Republicans for not governing by crisis, for actually making Congress do its job, for actually following the I'm just a bill procedure. It's what we should want. And the media, the cartel, is in Washington saying, no, no, we must continue to govern by crisis. We must do a clean debt ceiling increase. Davos wants it. Screw Davos. They don't get what they want. They don't have a say here. A buddy of mine was in Washington yesterday. He was walking behind two congressional staffers who worked for Kevin McCarthy. They were fuming at Congressman Chip Roy, who forced these negotiations, saying he was. they were so mad at Chip Roy that they were actually going to have to consider spending cuts. They were actually going to have to do it through the slow process. Yes. It's what all of us, Democrat and Republicans, should want. Listen, listen, Democrats, you should want this too because the odds are you actually will get more out of it than people like me because most of the House actually is fairly liberal, even the moderate Republicans. All the conservatives wanted was the chance to fight, a chance to debate, a chance to argue, a chance to convince people that their ideas were best and they should be given that. And if you go through the process and you get more votes in the compromises, okay. I'm okay with that, but let's have a real meaningful discussion and contemplate spending cuts because we have too much debt. We have exceeded our GDP now in spending, and no country has ever recovered from that. Let us at least try. The weather outside might be frightful, but in your bed, you've got super soft bowl and branch sheets to sleep under. They'll keep you comfortable. They're just the perfect weight. Summer, winter, fall, spring, the perfect weight, and they get softer every wash. And right now, with the weather so cold outside, you want to just be snuggled up inside. They're the perfect sheets under which you and your loved one can snuggle. And right now, you can get 15% off your first set of sheets when you use promo code ERIC at BowlinBranch.com. That's BowlinBranch, B-O-L-L. 
B-U-L-L-A-N-D-Branch.com. The promo code is Eric, E-R-I-C-K. Bullet Branch sheets are the perfect 100% organic cotton threads that get softer every wash. Not only do they get softer every wash, but they, the drape across your body is just perfect. I really enjoy mine. We've got them now on multiple beds in the house. We've just kept buying them because they're so soft. And every wash, they get softer. And right now, get 15% off your first set of sheets when you use promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, at BolandBranch.com. That's BolandBranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, Branch.com. The promo code ERIC. Breaking news. The Speaker of the House of Representatives, Kevin McCarthy, has ended effective immediately proxy voting. Proxy voting has been that uh, procedure put in place by the Democrats during COVID where you could stay in your home district or wherever you go to on vacation somewhere and just phone it in, ask another member of Congress to vote for you. And McCarthy says if you want, uh, members of Congress have to show up to work if they want their vote to count. Good. Good. I, I got to show it to her. You know, so as an aside here, just, just random aside, uh, I am actually in my office today, not not my new office, the old office where I still have an office. I know it's confusing, but my flagship station, WSB. And I went in to see uh, my boss, the program director, and then the head of radio came in and had a program director from um, or a, a head of station group from Texas in and then a syndication person came in and people knew each other and and could actually talk and exchange business cards and have some level of in-person conversation and collaboration and bounce ideas off of each other and like gosh this is what an office is for you know this is why Apple wants people to come back to the office it, it two years Apple as a company is designed around in-person collaboration of ideas Zoom and and the god awful Microsoft Teams and the like are just there no substitute for it. Gosh, I hate Microsoft Teams. It's just it's it's such a terrible platform. Uh, and uh, it's just Zoom is is better. Uh, Slack actually is is pretty decent. Um, Microsoft Teams is just it, it, the poorly implemented um, stepchild of of Zoom and and Slack. It's just awful. But nonetheless, I mean, people trying to force together these collaborative conversations on video chats or on the phone, and it's just not the same as being in person with people. The the ability to collaborate, I just, for all these people say, oh, we're never going back to the office. No, no, you will go back to the office if you want a job. The problem is there are some people who've decided they're not going to have a job. They'll just get on welfare or something. And I want to actually talk about that when we come back. These these people who have refused to grow up. Democrats want to treat 30-year-olds as kids and then give 16-year-olds the right to vote. What the heck is going on with that? There's uh, the, the Free Press actually has an article on this failure to grow up and take responsibility. I want to spend a little bit of time on that when we come back. Greetings. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number, should you wish to be on the program, 877-973-7425. Can we talk about Peter Pan syndrome? I think we should. Catherine Boyle over at the Free Press has a story. It's time to get serious. Prevailing wisdom insists that your 20s are for extreme exploration, collecting memories, friends, partners, identities. It's BS. It kind of is. Uh, I'll get personal for just a moment. I don't maintain friendships 
except to a limited extent, with anyone I grew up with. I'm always kind of jealous of the people who still have their best friend from elementary school. Uh, I, I left when I was five, Louisiana, moved to Dubai, was there for a decade, went back to Louisiana, vaguely remembered one or two of the kids who were in the school I returned to, didn't they no memory of me, developed a, several friends. Uh, my best friend wound up dying um, when I was in law school. I maintained uh, friendship with uh, my friend Meg. We don't often talk, but uh, kind of like a long-distance brother-sister relationship. Otherwise, I don't really. Uh, and then went to college and don't actually spend a lot of time with people uh, from college or even from law school, really. So good friends of mine, we occasionally reach out, but my, my friends are kind of in the here and the now, people I work with, people I, I, I go to church with now, things like that. Um, and for some reason, there's this vision, and I think it's from TV. I think it's like Gilmore Girl-esque or something that you develop these friendships in your 20s and you're going out and you're, you're having a good time and it's all about friendship development and, and branding relationships and social media influencer relationships and not actually go get a job and start a family relationships. People are not growing up. And that gets me into this um, piece by Catherine Boyle. Let me just read you a little bit of this. The biggest technology story of this past year involves a fraud perpetuated by a perpetrated rather by a boy or so the press would have us believe just months before Sam Bankman Fried's unraveling fortune magazine referred to the billionaire as a trading wonderkin a latter-day Warren Buffett only with a goofy facade and a penchant for fidget spinners even after his downfall and subsequent arrest in the Bahamas the Washington Post, the Los Angeles Times, and Axios all referred to Bankman-Fried, or SBF, as a disgraced crypto wonderkin. Andrew Ross Sorkin of the New York Times illustrated his boyishness best when interviewing him at the Times Dealbook Summit last November. When you read stories, Sorkin said, it sounds like a bunch of kids who are all on Adderall having a sleepover party. SBF's fate will now be decided by the Southern District of New York, but his media charade of all shucks interviews and congressional testimony laced with bro gamer idioms built a public persona that we've largely come to accept. He's just a kid. Indeed, he's so young that his law school professor parents were involved in his business and political dealings. The reality is he's a grown man, 30 years old. He's 12 years younger or 12 years older than many of the men and women we sent to Iraq and Afghanistan, 12 years older than the adults we encouraged to swallow hundreds of thousands of dollars in college debt before even declaring a major. And if we're serious about the math, he's a mere eight years away from the half-life of the average adult American man who boasts a profession, provisional life expectancy of 76, according to the CDC. At 38, he'll have almost lived most of his life on earth. Perhaps you've given little thought to FTX and Sam Bankman-Fried. Good for you. But the reason this iteration of the time-tested financial fraud plotline matters so much is not because Sam Bankman-Fried is an exception to the rule or how our culture infantilizes millennials. It's a, that he's the rule. 
and it's true. We live in a culture, and this really did start happening with millennials. And it's gotten worse with Gen Z, where we just treat them as kids. Millennials are still, and people still make jokes about millennials coming out of high school. These are like 40-year-olds now. And I got to say, I think part of the problem is that uh, millennials are really the first generation where they were labeled as a as a unit. Like, there's always been Gen X, and I'm in Gen X. I'm, like, on the borderline of Gen X and millennial. I kind of fit in with some or the other. But Gen X was never this defining brand. Part of it was our personality. We just didn't care. We kind of did our own thing. But a lot of the older millennials too feel more Gen Gen X than they are, or Gen than millennial. But uh, the media, in large part, because so many of the the large voices in the media now are also in that generation, the cultural media influencers these days are also millennials, and they don't want to grow up. They want to be Peter Pan. I want to play you this audio. This is from the Planned Parenthood president on. A Comedy Central with Leslie Jones. Men are like one of the fastest growing demographics at Planned Parenthood. They come for the same set of services. They come to get access to condoms. They come to get access to STI screenings. They come for vasectomies increasingly after the Dobbs decision, right? They are coming in. They're coming for vasectomies. Stop it. They're going to Planned Parenthood for vasectomies. They don't want to have kids. They don't want to grow up. They want to be able to have a sexually licentious lifestyle without the consequences of kids. Who cares about if they get uh, an STD? There are drugs for that. In other words, they can't kill the kid. They have to take responsibility. So the way they've taken responsibility is to ensure they can abdicate responsibility by never having to grow up and have kids. And the problem here is society is rewarding, not only rewarding this, but also applauding this and praising this. And ultimately what's going to happen is you're going to have a bunch of 70-year-olds who don't have the safety net of a family to take care of them or the life savings to be able to retire. I had a meeting this morning in my office and was telling the guy, he's asked me how old I am. Like I'm, I'm 47. I don't ever want to retire. Like I want to do talk radio until like I want my last breath to be, I'll talk to you guys tomorrow and you're all coming to my funeral the next day. I want 30, 40 years on radio. I totally do this into my 70s. I don't ever want to retire. I love that this isn't really work for me. I'm blessed in that way. But I also have to be mindful. I have a 401k. I've got an IRA. I've got a got a finance guy. I've got an investment guy. I I, I got to get myself out of debt. I got to pay off some credit cards and pay off some some student loans that I still have hanging over me. But thankfully, I'm almost paid off. I got to do these things. I got, I got to take responsibility. I have kids. I have a wife who's got cancer. I've got to maintain insurance. I got to figure all that stuff out. And and yet in the world today, we idolize to some degree. We, we, we vault up these people who they're in their 20s and we treat them as kids. And yet the left wants to give 16-year-olds the right to vote. And they want your 25-year-old to still be on mom and dad's insurance. They want a world without any responsibility. And when that happens, what happens? You become more reliant on government. 
you become more reliant on government. So culturally, the left got God out of the equation. So you're no longer relying on God. All things work for the those called according to his purposes. And when you no longer even know that he's around, you're not called according to his purposes. Uh, so why bother going to church? Why bother putting your faith in a higher power? Hey, look, there's Uncle Sam over there. Uncle Sam will give you what he wants. There's more government dependence. There's more drug dependence. We, we have eliminated people's aspirations, and they turn to drugs. See, there's this problem here. It's a philosophical, metaphysical problem, but it's a real problem. Just because it's metaphysical doesn't mean it exists. Every single person, just about, has a voice in the back of their head. And a lot of people spend a lot of time on pills and drugs and therapy, surrounding themselves with people to drown out the voice that asks the question, why are you here? Why are you here? Because no one anywhere believes they are an accident. Now, yeah, okay, maybe maybe they're an accident because like like dad slipped up and there was a hole and you, you get but you understand that people are born and okay, you, you your parents may not have expected you, but you yourself as a human being walking this planet, you're not just a random set of atoms swerving into a void. You're a human being. And all of us, at some point, have to confront the voice in our head. What are we doing? Why are we here? And what government and culture have done is they've allowed a set of people, a growing body of people, a demographic of people, to avoid confronting the question until it's so late they give up. So I would encourage you, would encourage you if you have kids, to remind them their 20s are not to go out and have a good time, go out drinking every night with friends. The, the, the 20s are the way to lay the foundation for their whole life. Go to school, graduate from school, get married, and then have kids. The people who do it in that order are the most successful people on the planet. And there's this, this loud voice out there right now in, in culture saying, that's not true. That may have been true in the past. It's not true now. Actually, it is still true. You want to become wealthier than your friends? No guarantee, but you're probably going to outshine most of them. Is you graduate, if you're listening to me and you're in high school right now, you graduate from high school. You don't even have to go to college, though I am one of those who still recommends it. But you graduate from high school, you get your degree, and then you get married. And then you have kids. And then you stay married. And you will be financially better off than your peer group who doesn't do that. And government is trying to make you dependent on government. The world around us is trying to keep you from growing up. Because if you can keep from growing up, you can be further dependent on government. But also, I got to tell you, there's a conspiratorial part of me that also believes they want you to do that because you don't grow up. 
you get to be about 40 years old, you're not going to have kids. And they've solved their population crisis by convincing you you didn't have to grow up until it's too late for you to have kids. I was watching that Neil Brennan comedy show on, on Netflix, and he says he doesn't want to have kids. He's never wanted to have kids. His, he grew up in a house with like 12 brothers and sisters. His father was abusive. He he just he, he doesn't want to have kids. He was the youngest. He got to watch his father and his brother in fist fights and stuff. He doesn't want to have kids. He says, now I feel like I can go tell, tell women, like, hey, uh, on the first date, just so you know, I don't want to have kids. It's like in some women – uh, they're they're like almost forty years old, and and they'll be like, well, I, I got to find somebody that that I'm going to have kids with in the future. And he's like, ma'am, we may be talking minutes, not hours, for you. We have an entire culture around us concerned with the population cult and the environmental cult, and they have found a great marketing scheme to keep you from growing up until it's too late to have kids or convincing you to get vasectomies or your tubes tied so you're not going to have kids. And they treat everybody in their 30s as if they are kids. You are a grown individual with responsibility who, if you commit a crime, will go to jail. You are an adult. It's time to start treating your life as if it's an adult life. It's time to recognize the priorities of a life. It's time to grow up and take responsibility and learn some independence and individualism, not individuality, individualism, where you take responsibility for yourself in life and don't depend on Uncle Sam's man boob to get ahead in life, and you will shine Make sure your kids know it too, but be mindful of this in the cultural conversation that all of our current cultural contemporaries and cultural elite are trying to get you not to grow up so that by the time you do, it's too late to start a family and live a life so that you have to be dependent on government and not contribute to population increases, and that's their dirty little backdoor way to solve the climate crisis. It is cult-like. Don't fall for it. But fall in love with the Eden Pure Thunderstorm and go buy three of them for less than $200 at EdenPureDeals.com. The discount code is ERIC3, E-R-I-C-K-3. If you go to EdenPureDeals.com, EdenPureDeals.com, you will be greeted with a discount code box on the front page, no less. And you put in ERIC3, E-R-I-C-K-3, no space, the number three, my name, E-R-I-C-K. Don't spell out three, just three, and you'll get three Eden Pure Thunderstorms for less than $200 you're saving $200. You get free shipping. They eliminate odors. Get one for upstairs, one for downstairs, one for your RV, one for your suitcase like I do. You can hold the sucker in your hand, plug it directly into the wall, or if you got a car, use a USB cord, and it wipes out odors. Somebody been smoking in your car or the rental car? Somebody been smoking in your hotel room? You got pets? You got litter box odors? You got frying odors in the kitchen? The Eden Pure Thunderstorm wipes out those odors. EdenPureDeals.com. The discount code is Eric. Three. Greetings. Welcome. You should be subscribing to my daily email. You get all the insider scoops. You get discounts to the conference. You get all sorts of exclusive interviews. Text data to 33777. I'll even give you 15% discount if you click on that link. Now, I got to switch gears when I come back. So, pull back the curtain a little bit. I get emails now from like members of the state legislature in Georgia where for years and years I did four to six in the evening on just WSB. And then when I started this show and it was nine to noon, it was just in Georgia. Talked a lot about, about Georgia politics. And so I get emails, will you talk about this? Will you talk about that? And, and we're kind of a national show and some of these things just simply 
they don't apply. And it's kind of been fun. The last year, it's, it's been kind of a blessing to be at the center of the political universe with the Herschel Walker race. Before that, the runoffs with David Perdue and Kelly Loeffler and the Brian Kemp and Stacey Abrams race. And everyone's, well, you can work stuff in. And, and now I'm like, no, I'm not going to spend a segment on my radio show talking about your hot-button legislative issue in the state legislature in Georgia. I need to – I at, at some point, I may have to do special programming or see if I can – bump a show on the uh, in the afternoons just to have an extra hour to talk about that stuff but we do have to talk about something it is a georgia story and everyone in the nation needs to pay attention to this story it appears that one of the groups stacy abrams was affiliated with has been funding groups one of which shot a police officer yesterday this group has been funding Antifa terrorists hiding in a forest. I mentioned it some yesterday, trying to prevent a development, a police training facility from being built. They are essentially declaring war and urging mass civil disobedience and violence tomorrow in the Atlanta area as retaliation because they shot a police officer. The police returned fire and the shooter was killed. And they're claiming the police provoked him by showing up at what they're calling a park. It's not a park. It's a piece of land on which this police facility should be built. And I'm getting text messages from some friends who are pointing out that one of the groups that is tied into this this terrorist group, of course, has ties to one of Stacey Abrams' groups. And we need to dissect this when we come back. We need to talk about the terror campaign that you nationwide are not hearing about because the media still pretends Antifa is not a thing and is obsessed with right-wing violence that doesn't exist.